Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 48. Microphone. I got a new microphone. Jane sort of ripped out the USB cable of my other microphone and it kept shorting out on me when I was recording songs and it was driving me crazy. So I just bought this cheap uh, Yeti blue ball thing. Blue ball. <laughs> and it sounds pretty good. I'm pretty into it. I've been slowly redoing the vocals on my songs with it or adding secondary vocals. I'm really into double vocals this week. But, uh, yeah, you know, maybe it sounds better for this, too. I don't really know. It has way less controls. The other one had, like, four diaphragm patterns and a level control and a mute, and I kept messing them up and making the levels too loud and stuff like that. And now I don't have to do any of that with this one. This one just works. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Time for a new segment called How Much I Love My Wife. I was just upstairs getting my bone broth going, and my wife was like, what are you doing now? And I was like, I'm going to go do my podcast. What are you going to talk about? And I said, yeah, you know, songwriting, maybe the usual. And she said, are you going to talk about how much you love your wife? And I said, yes, I will talk about how much I love my wife for the whole episode. That is not going to happen. I may have just been slightly dishonest. Sometimes a relationship needs some some light, harmless dishonesty. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I think she sensed my sarcasm, but I do love my wife very much. We were getting along pretty great. You know, when we moved down here, I was a little terrified, but I figured, you know, I like to spend a lot of time with this woman, and we, our favorite thing is to just hang out, So, and we never really run out of things to talk about, so I think it's probably okay, and you know, it's worked out. It's worked out all right. So yeah, you know, even this baby thing, <laughs> this baby thing, it's worked out all right. I love my wife. Uh, what's going on in Chatham County? There's a new Asian market. It's not actually in Chatham County. It's in Orange County. It's in Carborough, but I'm so excited. It's about a 10-minute drive away, as opposed to the one in Durham, which is like 30 minutes away. And that isn't so bad if you go first thing in the morning and you get there right when it opens, But which I used to do when Jane was small, but now it opens at exactly the time it's supposed to be feeding Jane. So I wouldn't get home for another hour, so I would, she'd be starving, and then traffic would be really bad if I went after that, and it's just been maddening. So I'm excited about this Asian market. Didn't have my bamboo, or any bamboo, I mean, I'm not brand specific on my bamboo, but I am cut specific. I care about the cut of the bamboo. They had big, lots of giant cans of big, like, two-inch thick bamboo, like, actually, like, bamboo from the tree. I mean, it's all bamboo from the tree, but, you know. And then they had one or two cans of the kind of bamboo you can buy at any grocery store the sort of the wide inch wide flat maybe an eighth of an inch tall but i like them to be about an eighth of an inch square and about three inches long and i can get those new asia tastes makes them they uh sell them at Li Ming's, but they didn't sell them there so that's a bit of a bummer but you know that's canned food so i can get like 10 cans of that when i go to Li Ming's. the real problem is the thai basil and the fresh chili peppers because they don't last very long and they had the fresh chili peppers I asked about the thai basil and he said i think i think it was a he i really thought it was a woman but she had a very thick mustache so i'm not really sure i think it's a guy anyway he said not yet so that was promising 
that means I probably will get it. And then I was a little worried. I was like, you know, it'll be sad if I just can't go to Lee Ming's anymore because I won't be able to buy any more Japanese Kit Kats. But this place turns out it had better selection of Japanese Kit Kats. So I got two types of green tea matcha ones today. There are three types of green tea matcha Kit Kats, by the way. And I got the strawberry ones and I got this like weird cookies and cream one I've never had before. That was really exciting. So I have a little area. Now I have five flavors of Kit Kats. I have strawberry. I have these cookies and creams. I have like an orange one and then a mix of the three green tea ones. And white chocolate. That's the other one. I have five. Yeah. So that was very exciting. And then it was next door to a Food Lion in Carborough. I've never I've been to Food Lion, but you know, I don't go very often. But I was we were hanging out several weeks ago with our friend Colin and his wife. And she said and they served us Tobo Chico. And I was like, Oh my god, I love this stuff. They always serve it and sell it in individual bottles at Harris Theater. She's like, Food Lion has it. It's like great. So I went to Food Lion and they did. They had it in twelve packs. It was like ten bucks, which is like a much more reasonably priced than I've been paying. So now I'm stocked up on Tobo. Chico, which is very, very exciting. So that was a good trip. I stopped by the storage unit, uh, Betwixt, which is a band on my old record label, Arch Enemy Record Company, is re-releasing their second album, Mustache, on vinyl, and I've been sort of helping Tom Devaney out, the guitarist in the band, find the original masters, which I haven't really found. I think they only gave me a CD or a dat master, but, you know, I've been talking to him, and yeah, I said, I think I have some old CDs here still, and he said, oh, I'll take anything, so I grabbed them from the storage unit. It's very exciting. I got a box out of the storage unit. Also, if you're in any Arch Enemy band in the old days, I probably still have some of your CDs if you want them. I've been carrying them around for 15 years, so, you know, hey, come get them. I don't think anybody from the Arch Enemy record label listens to this, except for Free Spot and Lifestyle, maybe, but I don't have any of their CDs. Uh, what else? What else? We've been having some lovely weather. I mean, I've been doing our walk up and down the neighborhood. It's been fun. We went to a party at one of the neighbor's houses last Saturday for their kids' one first birthday, their daughter's first birthday. It was super fun. Got to see some neighbors, some ex-neighbors, uh, Rocky and Jen. That was cool. Uh, good times. But, you know, really, I've just been songwriting. Oh, we got our windows washed, which is not really news, except the guy that washed them was awesome. He was like this weird, he really reminded me of an Alaskan hippie, like a friend of my mom's growing up in the 70s. Not like a modern hippie, like an older, like 70s aged into hippie kind of guy that my parents hung out with when I was a kid in Alaska. And he had like the, the curly gray hair and a gray beard and he was wearing a black shirt and it said in pink script on a window wizards, which was awesome. I strongly recommend window wizards. If you're a Chatham County resident listener, I don't think there are any of them. Oh no, there are actually my neighbor mentioned he listened. Uh, yeah. Anyway, window wizards, they were great. <laughs> Oh my god, he was a wizard. I think he's really a wizard, and the wizards just make their money now washing windows. That's my theory. Anyway, I'm having a really hard time doing this today because I just want to get back to songwriting. I am totally obsessed. I've written, I think, three songs since I last talked to you and polished them all and been mixing more and getting them better. And I found this really great little snippet. Uh, I'm a little worried, though. It's called Ripped from AT. It's a, it's a song snippet I made about three years ago when I first set up my studio. And I don't, I'm a little worried because Ripped from AT sounds like it's a title that I ripped off something. And I can't think of what AT would stand for. And it doesn't sound like anything, but I'm really worried I'm writing a song on top of something that's a ripoff of something else, but it's going to be very different. It's sort of a 
a southern hillbilly electronica song that sounds terrible it's not really it's political like all of them almost all of them uh i wrote another political song this week it's really great <laughs> i want to play them for you but i keep making them better in the mix and they're still pretty rough and i've played them for a few people and they like them but you know they're always they, like there will be a time where i need comments on mixing and it's useful but they're always like i can't hear the vocals or this sounds money or you sound out of tune i'm like yes i know i gotta fix all that but you know it's hard to get feedback on these things, I realize. And anyway, if anyone here, I'll send them to individuals at this point. But uh, eventually, you know, I added it up. I got about 36 minutes. This ripped from AT song. I wrote some lyrics on the drive today. I know what that one, I knew what the title was going to be for a while. Actually, that's not true. I was going to use it for a different song, but this one fits better. And I got the melody, and I got some of the lyrics, I got the chorus, I have some of the verses, but uh, that'll be another one. And with this song, I think the album will be about 41 minutes, and then there's one other I want to do that is really intense on the lyrics. It's kind of a homage to uh, that song, the feel-good hit of the summer, I think it's called, by Queens of the Stone Age, Nicotine, Valium, Vicodin, Marijuana, Ecstasy, and Alcohol. And then there's uh, Booze, Tobacco, Dope, Pussy Cars by the Butthole Surfers. Uh, list songs, you know what I mean? Like songs that have lists, which is a little bit weird because another song of mine has a list in the background, but I think they're going to be different enough that it'll be okay. Anyway, for those two, I think it'll be about 45, 46 minutes on this album, and that's like an album. I will have written an album. I'm very excited. I haven't finished a creative project, as you know, in quite some time. Well, I got the track book out since you guys have been listening, but... Yeah, after the failure of the LaGuardia book and the, uh, how, oh my God, which half is wasted? I just had a long talk with him about that book and my plan for it. Uh, the plan is basically to completely rewrite the book into something shorter and snappier and better when I get about four weeks off, because I could do it in my head at this point, and then reshop it after, whenever I get four weeks time four weeks of time either after this job or something happens where i have four weeks in the middle i will write just bang out the book and then i'll retry and reshop it i gotta get the rights back from my agent i am forming a plan and i guess i can tell you now well the reason i was sort of in stasis for a while as i was applying i'm well, not applying but i was talking about this thing at unc and uh you know i figured if i had this affiliation with unc then i could use a that would help and i would be able to use an academic press and so i thought maybe if i can you know get that going i do some stuff with unc already as you know but it was a little bit more formalized and then i was like well then i could you know maybe get an academic press and that would do an end run around this whole thing because i don't really care i just want to know but that didn't work out so now i'm sort of forming a new plan and i have a new plan but it's going to require time i can't write prose book prose while working because work comes up and I need to do stuff so you know I need like four weeks of time where I just don't have anything to do to bang out a new draft of the book that is the plan uh I don't know why I'm talking about projects so early in the podcast but it's what's on my mind uh anyway I went to New York last not this week but last week Last week is not the week it is ending, but the week before that. And it was great. Uh, my friend Og Stone did a comedy thing. He literally organized a comedy night. It was at Pete's Candy Store. I hadn't been there in a while. And it was really fun. And I saw some old friends. Uh, ben Haas showed up. That was great. And then we went, the three of us, went to the Exley, a wonderful bar in Williamsburg that I love. Opened right before we moved out of Williamsburg. And met up with Doug Pfeffer and Allison Flood and our friend Blake from Austin and Gabe, who's awesome, and it was a really good time, and it was a 
trivia night though which is really weird and, but you know whatever we went with it and then me and Doug and Blake hoofed it over back to East River Bar because Doug and I had such a good time at East River Bar two weeks ago but it was very different we were at East River Bar at about 9pm two weeks ago and this time we were there at like 1am so you know different crowd and also I was too drunk at that point but it was a good night uh, the other night I was supposed to get dinner with a friend and I was just feeling really sick and I didn't do it and I laid in my hotel room for hours and hours and hours and I felt really bad about canceling it she didn't really care where we scheduled her I'm gonna see her next, next week and then I remember there was also this birthday party for a friend of mine and I didn't really want to go and the debates were on and I was like ugh and then I FaceTime with Emma and, and Jane and had a nice little talk and then I was just scanning headlines on Twitter and one of them was like this is why adults after college don't have friends it's because they don't see them and I was like oh god I already canceled the one friend and this thing was only like a block away so I was like oh whatever I'll suck it up I'll go for like a half hour and so I did. And so I got out of the hotel. I was walking over. I still did not feel well. I really shouldn't have done it. But um, so I got a call on the phone. It was a it was a phone call from a person I knew, which I, you know, I don't like phone calls. But I was like, well, this is OK. And it's the person supposed to be there. And I'm only going to know like two people there. So if she's calling me to tell me she's not going. Then I'm just going to turn around and go back to bed because I shouldn't be out anyway. And she's like, are you going? I'm like, yeah, I'm already walking there. And she's like, great. OK, cool. I'll see you there. So I got there and I saw my friend Mia, whose birthday it was, but I didn't really know anyone else, but she introduced me to this great guy, Ty, and his girlfriend, and that was really fun. Uh, maybe they're married. I didn't ask, but they're great. And uh, she was a tattoo artist. He used to work at Output. He was really into the X-Files, which is cool. Uh, anyway, we were talking for a while. Then my friend Pamala showed up, and like she said she was, and she's like, hey, I have something for you. I'm like, oh. And she gave me a book, and it was a copy. I posted this on Instagram, so some of you might know about this, but there's a copy of Robert Caro's Working, right, which I've talked about on the podcast, and all of you know how obsessed I am with Robert Caro, and you know that I went to see Robert Caro speak at the Time Center and do a Time Stock. I went with my friend Jenna, and it was great, and I got a copy of Working Autographed. And then Jenna and I went to this really great bar called Grand Centrale that my friend Kellyanne introduced me to years ago. That's really the only place in Times Square that I can tolerate. And we had a great night there, except I left the book there and I was so sad. And I was just devastated. And I, you know, I called the next morning and I kept calling and they didn't have the book. So maybe I left it somewhere else. I don't know. It was a bit of a mystery, but I was really sad. And then that next morning I had breakfast with Pamala. And so we were having a, like sort of a business breakfast and I told her the whole story. I was really distracted. I was really despondent because, you know, Robert Kara is 83 years old. I don't know if he's going to finish his last volume five of the LBJ thing. I've talked about this before. And obviously if he does that, I'll go to those talks, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know if I'll ever see it again. I don't know if I ever get his autograph again. And she gave me an autographed copy of working. She said that she called the publisher and told her the sob story about my experience and they said okay that's a good story and they got her one <laughs> it was just amazing so i'm sitting in this bar on eldridge and i'm just like about to cry like i was like what was the nicest thing it was done for me it was great so you know i guess the the moral is you got to show up and so i apologize to my friend and i will see her on wednesday i'm looking forward to it that's gonna be great uh, yeah, but New York is a good time. This week should be good too. Pretty mellow schedule. Just a couple things early evening. Uh, I need some sleep. I haven't slept in in quite some time. So anyway, uh, Jane is doing great. She was very cranky today. She's teething. I think she has a rash. She was really high maintenance after you know, grocery shopping was fine. Breakfast was fine. And then down here for the last two hours. She was just very high maintenance. She insisted on me playing with her all the time, which was fine. I was like half-heartedly trying to do some lyrics to a song, but I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just play with my daughter all morning. And it was great. It's just like, I'm so happy. I love my daughter. But, uh, you know, she kept crying whenever I put her down. I'd read books to her and she'd be happy. And then she'd wander off. And, and uh, she had this game where like she lays on the floor and I sit at her feet and then she takes her feet and she pushes herself away from me. And occasionally she hits me in the balls and it's a little painful, but mostly she's good about it. And then she learned to sort of scoot on the floor on her back by pushing herself with her feet. 
And that's all fine and super cute. But then she lays there and she starts bawling unless I grab her feet and drag her back to me. <laughs> so we did that for like an hour. And it was basically me doing calisthenics, which is good, you know. Uh, but, you know, she's doing good otherwise. She's really obsessed with Babies, the 2010 documentary. I don't know if I talked about this. My friends Nick and Megan were in town ages ago. And they're like, you know what, Henry liked at that age was Babies. And so we watched it for her. She didn't really care when they were here. But now she's obsessed and she just cries out. I posted this on Instagram too. She just goes, Babies, Babies. And it's so cute and i'm like i think she just equates television to babies because it's the only thing she ever watches we used to try and show her sesame street she didn't really care and she she finds chris matthews to be sort of an appealing guy which is kind of painful because we don't so like you know we turn off the tv and she's like no like, all right you can watch this man baby on tv i think she likes him because he looks like a baby but anyway she's obsessed with babies and the other thing is i forgot to write her monthly so every month she since she was born i've been writing her on her birthday and I forgot this month and I feel terrible. I forgot for like a week. I did write it and I put it into the book. It's a book. It'll be a book one day. And it, uh, I wrote it on the wrong day and I felt bad. It's the first day I really messed up once or twice. I've done it the next day, but like, this was like seven days later. It was terrible. I felt so bad, but, uh, she's doing good. She's doing good. Other than that, the other game, the other game this morning was, I was, this, this game was great. I basically laid on the floor, just laid there and she ran around me in circles and just laughed. And as long as I turned my head left and right and watched her, which is good. Cause I got kibble feel syndrome and my neck hurts and it should always be, be turning to like stretch it. As long as I was turning my head to watch her, she would just be very happy. And so that was the best game because I was like, this is so low energy. I'm so happy. What a good game. But anyway, so that's how Jane's doing. She's good. She's good. I love that baby. Everybody else seems to as well. Her scream is very ear piercing. <laughs> oh, this is probably a TMI story, but I was pooping and she came in and she grabbed this drawer and yanked it really hard. And she's going to break the drawer. And I was like, no, you can't do that. So I held the drawer close because we don't really have drawer locks anymore because she doesn't really do it anymore. And then she was so mad. She just sat on the floor and started screaming. And so we're in this like tightly contained, highly echoey bathroom and I'm on the pot and I can't do anything. And she's just sitting there screaming. <laughs> I'm just holding my ears plugged like, oh my God, this needs to end. And finally she just crawled off, which was weird. She crawled off. She walks. I haven't seen her crawl in months. But yeah, anyway, Jane's good. All right, music. Let's see. Uh, weirdly, I sold that Zini Giva CD. So that was very strange. I sold this. I think I talked about this. I sold the CD about three weeks ago to somebody and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was so annoyed. I had to write to the guy and I was like, I'm sorry, I can't find it anywhere. And he's like, okay, cool. And I canceled the order and refunded his money. And then I was cleaning later that day and I found this and he gives it. I mean, I looked for like three days. I didn't just, you know, 10 minutes. And then the day I told him I couldn't find it, I found it like two hours later when I was cleaning my library. And I was like, oh crap, man, nobody's ever going to buy this Freedom Bondage CD by Zini Giva. It's going to sit on my shelf for another 10 years. And then this week I sold it to somebody else, not even the same dude. It was amazing. He was just like, yeah, I'm just trying to buy all the Zini Giva CDs. And I'm like, oh, that's a cool hobby for 19, well, I guess it's even cooler now, but I was like, that's a hobby one would have in the early 1990s and probably harder to do now because that guy's pretty prolific. But anyway, he bought it. That was great. I felt good about that. That's out the door. Only CD I sold this week though. I did sell a track book over digital which is awesome selling digital is awesome it's just money in your bank account it's amazing um you know i get like 100 bucks maybe 200 if i'm lucky from amazon every month from the sale of the various books not agency that's with the publisher so i get money from that once a year and so it's nice you know it just pops into your account here and there but like when it go you know paypal it's like amazon doesn't tell you on individual orders they just sort of tell you we're paying you know they do it by country but uh this is on squarespace on my site rickweb.net feel free to buy something 
<laughs> and I was like, cool, free money. So that was nice. Uh, music. I've been listening, trying to listen to music. Basically what happens is I finish a song or I'm stuck and I'm like, oh God, I'll never write another song again. I'm never going to finish this album. And a couple days go by and I listen to a bunch of stuff and then I'm like, okay, I got a song. And then I write the next song. So I listened to that Paradise Motel CD I told you about. I sold it. I had never listened to it. It's actually really good. They're a really good band. Kind of like... Um, folk a female singer woman singer very like high you know like soprano but not like operatic soprano like folky soprano uh kind of maybe a little bit like tara jane o'neill but a little bit prettier uh it was great anyway so now i'm kind of into that band weirdly uh i got the twin peaks tv event soundtrack now there are two twin peaks albums out there for the tvs season three there's the soundtrack album with angelo angelo battle lamenti that's the one i bought and then there's one with all the bands that played at the roadhouse that one i don't have i don't think i want that one uh so that was great it was really good uh i've listened to an album called emily alone by an artist called florist that i read about in pitch before that was very good it was folky sort of uh moody thing i'm really into it i got the the box set of the adventure time complete soundtrack it's like four lps a 10 inch a cassette and a cd it was amazing i listened to that for like three days it was awesome really takes you back I love Adventure Time. We're still watching it too. So, you know, that works out. Uh, and then I bought three of the Stereo Lab reissues because I sold some Stereo Lab CDs a while back and uh, they're slowly two peers reissuing on the Stereo Lab. I have a lot of Stereo Lab on vinyl, but my three favorite albums I bought when I first got into Stereo Lab, I bought the originals on CD and so I wanted them on vinyl. So I bought uh, Switch, Switched On, Transmissions, and Space Age Bachelor Bad. Switched On Volume 1 is a compilation of the first singles and it has Super Electric, which is like one of my favorite Stereo Lab songs. I've been listening to those and, you know, coincidentally to that because of a book i read i'm listening to a ton of kraut rock i haven't listened to a ton yet i listened to faust first three first four albums and noi first three albums they're great i have listened to them i've seen both bands in their later you know 90s and aughts configurations um and i've listened to a lot of their music here and there through the years but i've never methodically listened through their 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 sort of classic era discography so i listened to both of those and then i queued up i'm halfway through the can anthology which comprises cannibalism one and two the singles from the early albums i've listened to all the can albums before and i've actually listened to cannibalism one and two cannibalism two my girlfriend in college beth young owned cannibalism one i think and she was obsessed with it and she lost the cd i may have lost it for her i don't know they hazy days we were, we were you know not fully in our right minds she was very sad about it or maybe somebody else did or maybe she sold it i don't remember but anyway i found it years later and i like would listen to it all the time and you know be moody and think back to my relationship with beth and so i, I can i don't listen to too often except for last night's sleep because i love the until the end of the world soundtrack by Vim vendors great soundtrack but i was like well i'm doing this whole kraut rock thing methodically so i'll listen to anthology so I've been, I've been listening to that. I'm in the middle of anthology. So I think I've moved on to cannibalism too. I think anthology is basically cannibalism one and two. Uh, anyway, I added like Harmonia, Cluster, Amadul. I've seen Harmonia live and I love them, but I've never listened to their early music. And the Cluster, I don't know anything about. Amadul, I've heard here and there, but obviously I need to like methodically listen to them all. So, oops. What, what was that? Uh, that wasn't me. Somebody must have dropped something upstairs. Anyway, so yeah, I'm on a big kraut rock kick right now. It's super fun. And the Stereolab stuff went into it really well because they're obviously very heavily influenced by kraut rock as well. I got a bunch of stuff queued up beyond that, but I can't really get through it until I finish like, I don't know, nine hours of kraut rock, which is really hard when you're working on music most of your free time. Uh, yeah. And then I also did listen to the Jilly, uh, <laughs> Jarvis Cocker and Chili Gonzalez album, Room 29, which is sort of like Chili Gonzalez doing instrumental music over Jarvis Cocker, basically doing spoken word. They put a single out a while back and I had the single in rotation. I think I mentioned it, but, uh, the album came out without me noticing. So I've been listening to that lately. 
That is great. That's all the music I listen to, aside from my own, which is spectacular. It's just amazing. Amazing, man. Hmm, this new mic is a little bit more sensitive. I might have to adjust the noise gate on it. We'll do that next week. TV, let's see. So, you know, I was at that party on two last Wednesday for just a little bit, and I went home, and I watched the second night of the second presidential Democratic debate. I missed the first night, and I didn't watch one. I mean, I watched the second night, but I was like, uh, whatever. Uh, I eagerly consumed both nights of the first one, and I was kind of, you know, I want Elizabeth Warren to be in the same stage as Biden and Bernie, and she wasn't. This time, I think she was with Bernie? Yeah, she was, but not Biden. Biden was on the night I watched. And so, you know, nothing really changed. There was no Kamala Harris moment. Everybody tried to have one, but didn't really work out. She got, she pretty much... I think is going to be the only person that got away with that sort of thing in those debates. We finished uh, the last season of Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was not that good. I mean, it ended well, and it set up next season, which is the last season really well, so I'm just glad it's over. And the same thing with Star Trek Discovery. We watched finished season two. That's what we've been sort of working on. And, you know, like the end plot and the plot and the structure of the plot and the way it ties into the original series was all pretty good. But there's just so many moments. There's too much exposition. There's too many like voiceovers. And Emma pointed out voiceovers have always been in Star Trek. They just do them in terms of personal logs. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But they had like four that weren't personal logs. Like, you know, they do these things that are like for dramatic storytelling where they're like, they, they stop and they like do these reaction shots. And I'm like, okay, you, you, you know, that's not how it works in reality you're filled with adrenaline and your coworker is wounded over there and you're not taking care of them. They just kept forgetting about wounded coworkers. Like, it was really frustrating. You know, all these little things. And them and I are like, are we being too pedantic? Like whether people see this sort of thing, but it would just drive us crazy. You know, and like this, the tactical plot problems, like they, you know, they don't make clever use of the sport drive very often. They're always like a solution. They're slow. They're battling an AI. And I grant you, they probably don't think about AI as much as I do. They probably didn't, you know, write a seminal research paper on super intelligence in public opinion. They probably didn't even, <laughs> obviously I've written a book about Star Trek and economics as an extensive section about AI in it. So maybe I've thought about this more than them because as my book posits, I believe that the Federation has banned strong uh, super intelligence and artificial intelligence. So why would they think about it too? much they've got it under control but don't they watch sci-fi they don't seem to watch sci-fi they don't really think about what an ai a limitless closest you know super intelligent ai could do and they keep falling for stupid shit and it just drives me crazy and i'm like man you don't watch enough sci-fi so, <laughs> and you know it's like also like just their military tactics their their bureaucracy all that stuff is like archaic compared to even like modern military tactics and bureaucracy they're all they're all like they have no like they have no code. They they don't follow orders. They're all terrible at following orders. They they're terrible at like you know process. They're terrible at like chain of command. It's all terrible. And I'm like, this is supposed to be at like how we're supposed to be better than this. And it's just frustrating. Maybe they get better over time. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think it might be interesting for the third season given the way it ended. But. Uh, you know, I'm much more looking forward to Picard. Although a couple of the directors, I was noting directors as I was watching this. Jonathan Frakes directed one. His was really good. And he's directing some of Picard, so that'll be good. But a couple of the other directors that directed kind of bum episodes of this, and they're directing Picard. So that worries me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. 
I have not been watching any MSNBC or news. I've been reading the news. I still check, you know, WAPO, Times, Politico, Twitter, all that shit every day. So I'm, I'm informed, but I'm like, I don't know, unless until something amazingly huge happens, I will not bother watching the news on MSNBC. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein killed himself today, so that is kind of intense. Uh, a bunch of documents were released yesterday from some of the previous suits. And now I'm a little worried because are they going to release everything because they don't have the prosecution releasing it? And I guess that's maybe what his, he was thinking. So, you know, we've all been sitting here waiting to see what happens with this case. And now I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if any of that's going to come out. It's a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> Uh, and then my friend Taylor Lorenz said it best on Twitter that this is obviously a huge bummer for all of the victims who are looking for some sort of closure. They're not going to get it now, or maybe they did. I don't know, but it is also shitty. Not that we expected anything from this man other than being shitty. Anyway, I'm not watching the news is my point, so we're not going to talk about that. Movies. Uh, I went to see Hobbs and Shaw last week. It was pretty good. I mean, well, the plot was ridiculous and much like discovery. I, maybe this is just me. Maybe I have a problem. Maybe I'm looking for smarter plots. Like in books, these things don't happen. They have plots that are tighter and they account for things. And you know, typically in movies, they do it with a throwaway line like you're like why don't they just jump to the other quadrant and stay there until they figure it out and then they'll say something like we can't jump and you're like okay well at least they addressed it but they don't do that same with Hobbs and Shaw there are a few major plot holes but it was kind of yeah you know it's a good time I'm, I'm into the Fast and Furious movies now I mean you know for dumb action it was good and also American Samoa awesome place really don't know much about it uh, props to the rock for bringing the filming there that was really cool that might be a spoiler. No, it's in the preview. I probably, yeah, it's in the preview. You're good. Uh, and then I watched uh, Endgame with the commentary because it came out for purchase and we bought it and I've seen it already twice and I was like, I'm going to watch the commentary. I love, I'm a sucker for director's commentary. If you know of any good movies with direct, good director's commentaries, please let me know. Uh, but I watched it with the commentary. I don't really know much about the Russo brothers. You know, they directed these, this and the last one and Winter Soldier. And I was like, but it's a good commentary. And it made me think about some things and through back to earlier movies and I was like okay that's interesting yeah and then it made me want to watch the Winter Soldier again because I was thinking about Peggy because of the whole Captain America plot and I was like didn't she show up in one of those movies and I was like well I rewatched Civil War she's not in that obviously she's in the first one but I was like I thought I thought we saw her old at some point and I was like okay and I have some questions about the Winter Soldier so really and also maybe it has a commentary because the Rooster Brothers did a good commentary on this one but there was no commentary on the Winter Soldier so I just watched it again not I, I basically since we're not watching MSNBC one we go upstairs and Jane's playing and we're, you know, we're trading off doing diapers and playing with her. I just put something on and it's in the background. So I'm not sitting there wasting time watching this movie really. But so I watched those two sort of over the last two weeks. It took man, like six or seven days to watch Endgame with the commentary and like four to watch Winter Soldier with the commentary. Now I'm working on the Avengers, the first one, which I hadn't watched since it came out. It, some parts do not age well. Some parts are actually kind of awesome in a weird retro kind of way. But uh, we'll talk about it later. Books. I finished Neil Ferguson's Ascent to Money. It was interesting. It was not the book I wanted, but it was good. Uh, it helped me a little bit with things like insurance and reinsurance. I'm always a little fo foggy on reinsurance. <laughs> 
and a few other things. It's it's a good book. It's a quicker read than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a slog, but it was pretty quick and breezy. So that was nice. Uh, I read the Jerry Colonna book. Jerry Colonna is a former VC. He was Fred Wilson's partner at a VC firm prior to Union Square Ventures. He's been a coach for startup founders for ages. Many of my friends have gone to him through the years. And he wrote a book called Reboot Leadership and the Art of Growing Up, which is sort of like a book about being uh, sort of what he says in his coaching, I think. I don't really know. In his retreats. Uh, it is kind of interesting. I got a few interesting little tidbits out of it, but I think he and I are very different people in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, he uses warrior metaphors. He's focused on Zen and I, I, I find Zen to be useful in my life, but I also, I really, really believe in sort of the you know, focus more on the community than the individual. I think, you know, American, it's individualism is a little off a of kilter, but I don't really take it to the passivity of Zen. I don't really like passivity, although he's the same way. He, you know, he'll talk about that, but he talks about a bias towards action. I don't know. Anyway, it was a good book. It was very well written, very heartfelt. I really felt for the guy. It was good in that way. It was personal and that was nice. Uh, and then I read Press Play Pause, Confessions of a Post-Rock Drummer by Stephen Morris, oh, volume one by Stephen Morris, who is the drummer of Joy Division and New Order. I think this completes every living member of New Order and Joy Division that has a bi autobiography I have now read. I mean, Peter Hook's got like four books. I think I've only read two of them. Uh, I read Bernard Sumner's biography. I've read two biographies of Ian Curtis. I read two or three of Peter Hook's books, and I've read this book. It was good. <laughs> He's a funny dude. He's not at all like I thought he was. He's also the most biggest music snob in the band. He's the one. He's the reason I've been on this Kraut Rock kick, because he was really into Harmonia and Cluster and stuff like that. A lot of other stuff too. He's got a Spotify playlist to accompany the book, which, which is fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's a good book. It ends not long after Ian Curtis's suicide, and Joy Division starts. Picked up some first interesting stuff. First New Order show in America was at Maxwell's R.I.P. That was kind of crazy. I didn't know that. The uh, first New Order show was only eight weeks after Ian Curtis killed himself, which is nuts. Uh, I, you know, I knew that Peter Hook and Bernard Sumner were both singing early in the early shows. I didn't realize Steve Morris was singing as well. He stops this book before Jillian joins and they really become New Order. It, it really just covers the first, like, you know, they basically made up that American tour that they're going to do with Darudy Column. Darudy was in the headlining. Darudy Column was supporting. Did the tour anyway. Darudy Column headline. New Order just appeared at the, the shows, didn't announce. They played Boston. They didn't say where, though. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a good book. It was a good book. Um, got me really into Kraut Rock. <laughs> uh, and now I am reading, what am I reading now? Oh, right. Uh, the Second Amendment of Biography, which is a book about the Second Amendment because, of course, of all the mass shootings in the last two weeks, bum me out like always. feel a little bit better since I'm writing songs about this shit, so I feel like maybe I'm doing a little bit. Of course, I donate. Uh, I have a song exactly about this anxiety you feel when you feel like you should be doing more. So, you know, tune into that on the album. But uh, I was like, oh, this book came out. This is timely. I'm going to read about it. It's a sort of history of the Second Amendment, the framers and militias, pre-revolutionary war, George Washington, its frustration with militias, standing armies, like the thoughts of people like Patrick Henry and Madison and Monroe and Washington on, you know, this topic. And most notably, how little they talked about the right to bear arms for self-defense. You know, the state of Virginia had it in its constitution and how inexplicably tied it was to militias. Even though any, most people with the Second Amendment will tell you when you point out the well-regulated militia part, they're like, that's not what they mean, man. It's like, yeah, it is actually what they meant. Like, the reason the Constitution exists is because militias wouldn't show up during the war, and Washington was frustrated, and the well-regulated was specifically about the federal government giving directives on what they could use and what sort of weapons, because militias would show up with these crappy-ass weapons that were good for shooting rabbits or varmint on their property, but weren't any good in war. And so, like, the literally the, the main 
topic of guns in the constitution was about the federal government being able to regulate what kind you could have. So, okay. It makes sense. Uh, but you know, I read an interview with the author and he's a little bit more ambivalent than I'm making it out to be. And some of the reviews said exactly that they're like, both sides will find things to pull out of this book. And I'm clearly doing that. And also of course the giant caveat that I'm not done. So we'll talk about that next time. Uh, also very exciting. I found another book by a woman I'm going to read next. I'm, uh, that sounds so crappy. I have a stack of books by women on my nightstand, probably about 10, but they're mo- mostly Colette and George Sand, and I like to intersperse them, and I've been looking for more modern topical things. And uh, weirdly, I found it out of my time hop about two years ago. I, I, I tweeted out, has anybody read this book? And I have so many questions about it. And I was like, I don't remember this at all. And I clicked on it and I was like, oh, that book, right. And I was so excited. And I was like, oh, and it's by a woman. Oh my God, I'm reading it right now. So I bought it. So I'll read that. And I'll talk about that in the next podcast. So it's, it's cool. I'm ahead still for the year, but just barely. I need to like stop reading dude books and get back to women books now to stay ahead for the year. And so that is, that is turning now. Work is going great. Uh, I've been doing a lot of prep for the California privacy law. It looks like it's going to be a lot like GDPR, but there are some nuanced differences. So I'm dealing with that, dealing with the audits, sock audit, regular, wrapping up the regular audit. It's pretty cool. Finish all the black souls pricing stuff, a lot of tax stuff, uh, doing some figuring out when we get paid by foreign companies. Like how does that work with us? And are we present in England and blah, blah, blah. What does a California resident mean under the new law? They're still changing the California law, even though it goes effect in January. Uh, we switched, we're switching our bank over from the small business branch of Chase to the commercial branch of Chase. I got a nice demo of their corporate banking system, which is awesome. I'm really into it. Chase really loves us now that we have money. They didn't talk to us for like three years, but now they're all over us. It's great. It's uh, very sad how much more attention you get from your bank when you have money. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, let's see. One of my startups did a round. Uh, they only gave me a day to sign the paperwork, and it stressed me out, but I plowed through it with one of them, and it looks all good, so that's exciting. Good for them. We'll talk about that once they announce it. Uh, another one did a secondary offering, which is pretty cool. Won't get the money till April, and I'm only doing a small amount, but it's up about 4X, so that's cool. I'm getting a little bit of money in the bank. And uh, WeWork's IPO should be soon. I can get out of WeWork finally. I thank God. They did a secondary at the beginning of the year, but they would let me sell a very small part. And I got like, I don't know, like maybe a thousand bucks out of the deal. So most of my stock is still tied up in WeWork and I want out, out, out. I did never got invested in WeWork. I invested in a company they bought and I've just been stuck with it. And I'm very excited that IPO will happen. And I can get out of that. Um, tech, you know, tech. It's still the way it is. Wrote a great song about the internet this week, so I guess that that's my outlet. I'm not going to talk about tech that much this week. It's really, you know, just songwriting. That's just everything for me right now. Yeah, man, I really just want to be an artist. <laughs> I was like, what happens if your album gets big? And I was like, oh dear God, no. I don't have a band name yet, but it's definitely going to be a band name. It's not going to be under my name. Uh, I'm going to not. It's not going to be fully anonymous, but I'm not going to like, you know, attach it to me too much. Uh, been, you know, really like into Logic Pro again. I've been watching tons of YouTube videos and learning some interesting stuff. I learned how to like send all the channels to a bus and then automate like effects on that bus for the ending of one of my songs. That was really cool. Uh, it's fun. It's satisfying. I'm going to finish it. I, I want to finish this project. I've been wanting to make a new album for like 10 years of my life and I can't believe I'm just so lucky that it came to me all of a sudden and it's happening and I'm not going to stop. And it is really rewarding especially in these dark times. And it really helps that, you know, I think I've said this, but it is a political album. It is an album that is working through the shit we're all going through. So that helps me a lot. It's, it's cathartic in a way.
it for this week. Short and sweet. Well, not that short. I guess we're pushing 40 minutes here. But I uh, hope you guys are having a lovely weekend. Drop a line. I haven't heard from any of you in a while now. But uh, I can see the stats. I can see you're still out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying your summer. I hope you're uh, making good progress on your projects, too. Talk to you guys soon. Take care.